0: Okay, you guys, let's talk about the biggest news of the week. It's not Lady Gaga's French Bulldogs getting stolen. Not uh, vaccination news. It's not COVID numbers coming down. The biggest news hit of the week was Hasbro announced they are no longer going to use the phrase Mr. or Mrs. when referring to Potato Heads. On Thursday, Hasbro announced it would drop the Mr. from the brand's name in order to be more inclusive and so all could feel welcome in the potato head world. It also said the all-new playset would come out this fall without the Mr. and Mrs. designations and that it would let kids create their own type of potato families. That includes two moms or two dads. So that's pretty cool. In another tweet a few hours later, they said that while the brand is changing, the actual Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head characters will still live on and be sold in stores. In a picture posted on Twitter, the Mr. and Mrs. names are less prominently displayed at the bottom of the new box instead of on top. So apparently they're creating a whole world of Potato Heads, where you can be any sort of Potato Head you want to be. You can also be a Mr. or a Mrs., but there's also going to be baby Potato Heads. So the big question is, what do you think of all this?
1: So the, the brand is, is just going to be called Potato Head, but they're still going to have a Mr. and a Mrs. Potato Head option?
0: That's right. So what they're doing is they're creating a universe of Potato Heads. And Mr. and Mrs. live in there, but they're expanding the brand. Kind of like, I think what they're trying to do is when Mattel introduced, besides Barbie and Ken and Skipper, then they had all the different colors of Barbies and all the different body shapes. So they're trying to say, like, this is the universe of Barbie. This is the world of the Potato Heads. And there's all kinds of different people in it.
1: Mm,
2: I don't hate it. Um... I don't see any. I, I don't know, Christine. You look like you had thoughts. <laughs> well, I guess,
1: I guess I'm just wondering what the like. I'm all for that. What is the? What are they introducing other than a baby that's going to make it more inclusive?
3: A baby,
0: yeah, and but number two, I mean, who pressured
3: them to to say, "Hey, oh, people
0: got crazy." Scott, in
2: fact, uh, my favorite
0: tweet. My favorite tweet was from a very progressive group that said Hasbro needs to drop the bro. (laughs) (laughs) That's
4: funny.
3: (laughs) But like, yeah, the
4: Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, they want
3: mm-hmm. you know, Alice. Give me a fucking break. Let's, it's a let's, piece of plastic. You I was like, lift let's on. just, re-
4: okay, let's just remember something. We're gendering
3: potatoes. Potatoes. Potato. Not even potatoes. Plastic, plastic potatoes. potatoes. Uh, Welcome to America.
4: I, I am all for like, if we want to be creative with genders or take whatever gender, uh pronoun identity works for you that's great phenomenal nobody's asking a fucking potato it's gender
3: but you and know what the crazy so- thing is is that like especially what? with this with this toy you can put you can make it look any way you want. Yeah yeah you can you make know, it look like, like Mike Wazowski yeah, the sully. whole point of the mis- of Mister or whatever Mrs. Potato Head is, you can create your own Potato Head. Yeah. So well, I think they if- should just
4: call it the Potato Family. Although it's a little close to Potato Famine, and I'm Irish, so you know.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you this: the only time I can imagine anybody needing to gender a potato <laughs> is if Scott got some alone time with a potato.
3: No, nah, t- too hard, too crunchy.
1: <laughs> the, the the traditional now Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, don't they have aren't they pretty much the same? The only thing is different. Yes. Is the accessories yes. they come with, right? Yes. So really the issue is just that they're being very specific in what they consider a Mr. Accessory and a Mrs.
0: as the kids today don't think about ladies and men in the same way we do, right? Well, like exactly.
4: Right. I'm all for like creative play, and as you know, I have so many nieces and nephews that I'm buying toys for. And I'm like inspecting, you know, all of these things. And like you said, just call it the potato family or whatever it is and give you a giant package Mm -hmm. of toy accessories or face potato accessories or whatever. But yeah, it's, 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 we should be increasing creative play, not diminishing
3: it. But I don't think anybody, and I'm just going to play devil's advocate here for a second. I don't think anybody who had a Mr. and a Mrs. Potato Head, you know, a a child's imagination is going to, you know, they make their own potato head. I even did it myself. You know, you put the lips on and the eyelashes and nobody ever was like, well, this just because this is called Mr. Potato Head, it has to look like a man. I don't think that was happening very often, do you?
0: Well, I mean, it's a potato. I think it probably happened in households all across the country for years and years. I think that's how little kids are brought up. Yep. Uh, uh,
3: Maybe. Okay.
4: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you could get the cowboy hats and the things and all of that stuff that's more traditionally gendered than not. So
0: Yeah.
1: I go
4: with you, though, the accessory pack would be fabulous. I
0: think it's a really interesting conversation. And I wanted to kick off this episode talking about this because this is the gender episode. We're going to have a gender talk with Dr. John. We're going to learn something today. So everybody uh, buckle up because Dr. John Paul is about to take us to class. Yippee. Truth be told, I always wanted to host The View, but I don't exactly meet the lady requirement. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get my friends together and we're going to start a podcast. Hello, I am Jim Lanahan and these are my friends. Ready? Let's go. All right, you guys, my voice just cracked, you guys, I'm going through puberty. Welcome to episode 54 <laughs> of the Gymland and Friends podcast. Let's quickly look around the room. I see Christine
2: Zinnigore! <laughs> Dr. Jumpo Poe Michael Scott oh, yeah. Sheldon!
3: Boom.
0: And producer Stephanie Webbing! hello can i get an oh yeah oh yeah yeah. um so you guys um can i get an oh yeah was a big hit on the thursday episode last week by the way because what i did was christine said oh yeah during the good news. And long story short, I took out the the uh, music bed. So it's just Christine screaming, oh, yeah, like randomly. I got three notes on it. People love it. People love it. Uh, so congratulations, Christine. People love Thank your, you. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to have a conversation with you guys because... I mean, I'm going to be blunt. We're really fucking something up on this show. We're fucking it up. And we have been doing it. We were we were really good about it. And then we got really bad about it. And then I noticed we got better about it. I'm going to tell you, I started watching it closely, but I never told you all. So some of y'all were bad about it some of the time. And I was always good about it. But... I slipped, and at the end of the last episode, on Monday, I misgendered Dr. John Paul. Dun, dun, and I stopped myself and I went, oh, we're going to talk about that pronoun on the next show because you guys, Dr. John Paul's pronouns are they Them. Theirs. And we keep calling him he on this show. Oh, I just did it! I just did it! See? It's so... Oh, Dr. John with the best of intentions. And we're going to talk about that in a minute also. We keep calling them he on this show. And we should be calling them, them on this show. And I asked Dr. John's permission to talk about this today. And he's okay talking about it. And it's a learning moment for us. Fucking, you know what? But this is what we have to do. We have to correct each other. We have to to know that inside this circle of five, we have to be comfortable correcting each other. Because it's so easy. Especially with the they pronoun, it's so easy, right? Because we weren't brought up using they in the singular form. So, Dr. John, if you don't mind, lead us through like your evolution to they. And I know you are, you told me once, I wrote this down, cisgendered, non-binary, your pronoun is they. So, lead us through all of that and how you got there. What's your personal evolution?
2: Okay, so basically so there's this there's this conversation that i think is happening in our world and i say our world as the queer community around gender and then there's performance and then there's ultimately identity right so there's three different sectors right so the gender is basically what you're born with right parts. These are the parts that we, we utilize. We, you know, Sometimes we make babies with them. We like to make whoopies. Sometimes we even like to sit on them. How you doing, Scott? Um, these are all of the different parts that we have. However, then when, you st- when we start talking about identity and performance, right? So performance is the way that you show up in the world. Identity is how you see yourself. I would say that there are, now now things get real tricky and where I've learned that things get real tricky, I teach a program called Safish that I've taught at multiple schools and they want me to come in for like an hour and give people these one-on-ones about, you know, how to make LGBTQ people safe and around identity and it gets really complex and where my journey started to get complex was I was working out of college. I was doing a lot of work with LGBTQ students, specifically working with a few trans students. And we did this event on the Trans Day of Remembrance, and a student was talking about their journey to being trans. And this was in like 2016, and I kind of had this aha and this epiphany because Growing up as a kid, I was always extremely effeminate. I've always been extremely effeminate. My voice has been very light since I can remember. I never got the whole, you know, you know, most, and I say cis men in the sense of like cisgender people who perform as male in society, you know, I didn't ever get the voice crack. I never got the the, the feeling of like, oh, my voice is changing. It never happened. Um, when I was nine or 10, I could hit Mariah Carey notes. I can, if I am in a good, if my allergies don't act up, I can actually still hit a very high E over, you know, G in terms of singing. So I've always had a very effeminate voice. So... I've kind of, but in society, society has always kind of like pestered me and basically treated me like shit for being effeminate. And so for years, I would try to hide it or I would try to mask, what well, mask, in the sense of being masculine. I would mask myself up um, and it just still never worked. I was always considered a queen. And so for years, I had a lot of issues with that. Long story short, when I met a student who was going, starting their trans journey, you know, a student told me, because I had said, I've always felt different, and I've always felt effeminate, and I've always fought it, and I always thought that if I leaned into my feminine energy, that I would ultimately, mean, that would mean that I would be trans, and honestly, I'm not trans. Like, I don't, I, identity-wise, I don't believe that I'm a woman. I, I know that I'm male. I like men, I I. but ultimately, I'm just a very feminine man, and the student looked at me and said, so you're non-binary. And I was like, what? (laughs) Because I had never heard the the terminology non-binary. I'd always thought it was either you're queer or I mean, you're either gay, lesbian, you know, Trans or you ultimately fall Under the queer umbrella of just being different Um, And so when I started doing More research around what non-binary meant For me and the reason why I started kind of like embracing The whole they them because for a minute it felt Very performative um, But when I really started accepting that I don't Want to be called he him um, Or you know she her um, And my friends I will let them get away With calling me she her Um, I often refer to myself as she But for the most part I am non Binary in the sense that some days I feel more masculine than feminine, and some days I feel more feminine than masculine, and most days I'm more feminine than masculine. Um, and it really is for me, I think being non-binary is just about the energy that you give off to the world. Um, I am very much caring and very empathic, and um I I just I feel like that's something that's very mother. There's something very motherly about me in a way, but I also gravitate towards other individuals who hold feminine energy so a lot of my friends are very effeminate um but ultimately i just don't subscribe to the ways that society wants me to perform as a male and i think that's what makes me non-binary so the thing i want to make very clear here is i i don't make a hustle a bustle around correcting folks around my pronouns because I'm with family when I'm on this show right Um, I did film something a couple of months ago and the producer walked up to me and he and he use the wrong pronouns and I actually stopped the shoot and I corrected the production team and I told them my pronouns are they them I've been telling you all since the beginning of this what my pronouns are we shouldn't be here so when I'm with family he she they him her I'm not going to come for your neck but I I will say and this is the reason why I think it's important we have this conversation there are people my friend Benny and my friend—I would say even Travel to an extent that will come for your neck if you get their pronouns wrong. Um, trans people will say, "Yes, I'm trans, but I'm also non-binary, and my pronouns are they/them." So if you do say she, they will correct you. Like it—it's just really about unlearning a lot of the stuff that we've taken on as being in our lexicon that ultimately doesn't describe people in the accurate way. So, thank you for that,
0: and I. You know, as an outwardly facing podcast, public facing media, I want to make sure we get your pronouns right, even though you're giving us leniency here. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, but I've been noticing we're screwing it up more and more. And that's the other reason I wanted to talk about it, because it is it is a respect thing. And I, I want to make sure that we're respecting everybody holistically. And I want to make sure that when I first first met Dr. John Paul, you actually said he or they is fine. That's what you said. And then, but then I noticed that we were leaning more towards they just because I'm paying attention to you on social media, right? And so I, I just want to make sure that I'm being as consistent and current as I need to be, because you're part of my family, you know, um, the other thing I want to say is that, well... I'm thankful that we can talk about this stuff openly with our family here. Thank God. But what I really want to say is hearing you talk about non-binary and how you got to a place where you're like, okay, my term, my label for myself is non-binary. Everything you said, John, about yourself and how you feel about expression And gender and some days more feminine, some days more masculine. I feel the same exact way. I often talk to my friends who label themselves non-binary, and I think to myself, oh my God, am I non-binary? And then I think, is it just because I'm I'm literally a decade older? And so is it that my generation is less apt to go towards that label? We just thought we were the most fabulous gays ever.
2: Yeah. I don't know. You know, I and I've I've had this conversation, but I also have friends who are in their upper fifties and they're coming to terms with the idea that they like being non-binary mm. or they like the idea of of identifying as trans. I think for me, I just think at the end of the day, it really is about what you feel and what you genuinely believe works for you and 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 what works for your day to day. The reason why I think non-binary is so important to me is that you know I almost feel like saying that I'm non-binary now is just another part of that resistance you know, piece that I, I live in every single day. So like, you know, and we've had these conversations both on the air and off the air as a family, right? You know, I'm black, I'm fat, I'm, you know, very effeminate. And I am ultimately in my mind, and I know, you know, Scott has pinged me on this. Christine, we've talked about other stuff including a yamla, but I feel like, you know, we <laughs> we genuinely have conversations about this idea around, you know, what it means to be different a lot on this show and I think for me being non-binary is just a way for me to reclaim that. I'm different in every other aspect of my life and so leaning into the non-binary only makes me feel more validated and kind of being like fuck the system. You know, I'm just I feel like it's I'm a, I'm a rebel, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, but that's really what it comes
0: down to. Let me to. tell you this, I've often wondered about myself also if there isn't something to the fact that I'm white, and that I am mm-hmm. gay as opposed to non-binary, because there is something, in addition to all the other privileges that go along with me being white there is a security blanket there. Mm -hmm. And I would be peeling that security blanket back if I added the term non-binary. You know, it took me a while to come to terms with being gay. When I was in my 20s, I was acutely aware that I was... Okay with being gay, but I was very lucky that I was a white gay guy living in Manhattan because I saw how much harder it was for my black gay friends, for instance. Yeah. And but a lot of my black gay friends have said, Well, I've already been through it. I've been through the rain. So you wow. know what? I can handle one more thing. And they, I've noticed, have a higher incidence of choosing non-binary and they them pronouns. So mm-hmm. It's an interesting, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I think there is sometimes something related also
2: to our race. Yeah, well, I think about this quote a lot, I, you know. And again, I'm not trying to be. I know it's late, and I know folks are tired. And we're like, I don't want to go to school. Why is this conversation becoming so scholarly? um I think it's you know it's important that we really like lean into these conversations because like there are people that you work with who probably are afraid to tell you that they're trans or non-binary. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people in your family who will probably one day sit you down and say, you know what, like. I'm non binary or I'm trans, non binary, you know, asexual, pansexual, you know, a, I mean, what is it? Um, a, oh, there's another, a, a romantic. Like, there are going to be folks who sit down with you because they trust you to have these conversations. And I think it really is this idea about when you actually are putting forth the effort, like, even to have this conversation and to have all four of you in this conversation, that shows how much it means to not only the podcast and to the folks that are listening, but also how much you really genuinely care about making me feel comfortable. To your point, Jim, I think about this quote a lot and it's a James Baldwin quote. And to your point, and it says that, you know, ultimately James Baldwin in uh, 1984, he was giving a speech with the Village Voice and this quote has literally haunted me and I don't know why. He basically was talking about gay white men and the ways that they perform and the way that they see the world. And he says, their reaction seems to me in direct proportion to their sense of feeling cheated of the advantages when accrued to white people in society. There's an element, it has always seemed to me of bewilderment and complaint. Now that may sound very harsh, but the gay world as such is no more prepared to accept black people than anywhere else in society. So James Baldwin as a black queer individual, right? And he talks more about this. And there's this longer quote that he goes into talking about how white people lean into LGBTQ because ultimately they want to feel like, well, I was supposed to be white and I supposed to have privilege. And now I'm being cheated out of that in a way. He goes on a very long rant around that. But I say all of this to say, right, and this idea that Black people, (laughs) we've always known that we've had it hard. And when you start talking about being non-binary, it's like, well, you're going to kill me for being Black. You're going to kill me for being queer. You're going to kill me for being Black and queer. So, shit, I might as well be my authentic self. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the thing. Like, It's like... and I hate saying it this way because I don't believe all Black people feel this way. But I think for me at 35, it's like, what the fuck do I have to lose if I want to put on some lipstick and throw on some heels? You're probably going to pull me over and shoot me anyway. Right. So I'm, I live now in this mindset of like, I have hidden behind so many curtains growing up my whole entire life, whether it was behind the black curtain, behind the queer curtain, behind the black and queer curtain, because black people don't love gay people as much as they proclaim that they do, they don't. Um, And it just, you get tired of hiding. You get really tired of not being your authentic self. And I think I'm also having this weird epiphany now too. Like I used to be that person that was like, you know, I talk too much. So I'm going to go ahead and shrink myself or uh, I don't want to be that person that's, you know, trying to be the smartest person in the room. And I'm like, fuck that. I have three degrees and I, and they're all specialized in, you know, in social social justice and gender. Like I'm going to talk about it. And ultimately I'm not going to shrink myself because society wants me to. You know, if you think I'm loud, black, fat, and gay, that's your problem, not mine. Like I'm literally now in this place where I'm like, if you're going to give me the mic, I'm going to talk because I think, Black people, specifically Black queer non-binary people, we shrink ourselves so much. I've shrunk myself so much in my life, and it's like in the last two weeks, I've just been like, you know what? Fuck that. If 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 you think I'm very full of myself, or if you have a problem with me talking about, you know, getting my pronouns right, or if if we're we need to have a come to Jesus about you saying something racist, that's your bag to deal with, not mine. And I just think that we really have to think that way. Cause again, I don't have anything else to lose at this point. And if I go out being my authentic self, then I just lit a flame and a light for another queer person to do the same thing. So, what does is, what is Shannon say? Like,
4: we already, you're already starting at a no. So, might as well Hello. get to that yes. You know Hello. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like, and that's the thing. We had this, you and I had this conversation, I think it was yesterday or the day before. You were on a call with Jewel from Jewel's Catch One. Yeah. And you were like, How did I get here? Legendary. And I'm like, because, because you're already, you are legendary, but like, you're just doing it. And, You've but, taught me so much about being authentic self because what the fuck else do we have to lose as queer people but being authentic? Tell me well, what else I've got to lose.
2: Right, but it's the same thing for you, Stephanie. We've had this yep. conversation before too, you know, about how women are oftentimes, they, they shrink themselves. Make yourself smaller
4: to make somebody feel better.
2: That's all oppression. That's all oppression mm-hmm. is. Oppression is what can I do to stay in power and to stay on top? And so when you are me, right, and you're at the bottom of the bottom and that's the thing, like I try, I try not to, to get emotional about it i think like even two weeks ago when i had that conversation where i was literally like rambling when we got off the call <laughs> i felt like i was at the bottom of the bottom again and i'm going like i'm you sometimes you you sit with it and you go i'm tired of being here but now it's mm-hmm. like what that what else do i have to lose You've already told me no. You've already told me that I'm a problem. So shit, if you think I'm a problem, then I'll be a problem. And that's literally what being for me non-binary is. If you, I always tell people, keep that same energy. If you want to run up, I grew up in Compton. I know how to protect myself now, but I'm just saying like, ultimately, like, I just don't, I, I don't see a reason to hide myself anymore or to shrink myself. And I, I say that to black people. I say that to women. I say that to trans women. I say that to trans people, non-binary people. Like we don't have anything else to lose anymore. So if you're not going to hire me because I'm too black, too gay, too fat, whatever, fuck you. Like I'll make my own money. and it, it, My ancestors did. They got free somehow. So I just, that's just kind of where I live now. Like, I just don't really have, I don't, I I think fear is really falling away from me. And I think that's really what being non-binary is for me. And in a lot of words is just being fearless. That's really all I can, I don't know. I just don't. Proud of you
4: every day, brother. Proud of you every day. Thank you.
0: I am proud of you. Have drag queens mucked up this conversation for us? And by that, I mean... Everything is girl and she. And I think that younger people, I see some younger people who perhaps are not even LGBTQ, who everything is now girl and she. And I'm like, when you say that, you're being disrespectful to people who are truly she, regardless of what parts you're born with, right? And so, but everybody does it because they see it on RuPaul and they think it's sassy and fun.
4: I'm like, so, you want to be a woman in this world? Like
0: my gays also do it too. Like, right? We we had been doing it for in our 20s for so long. And now I would not call my gay friend she unless they asked me to.
2: Yeah. I think, and I'm gonna this is a maybe an unpopular opinion. I believe that it has a lot to do with the ways that um the queer black lexicon has been co-opted. I think. Black folks, specifically Black women and queer Black people, started referring to each other as girl and she and all of that. And as RuPaul's Drag Race became more popular and the Black queens became more popular, and I put quotations around that because a lot of the Black queens would say different – I think you're seeing, like, I think Laganja, Estranja, no shade, but all shade, um, I think is a great example of the ways that um, the Black lexicon, and I mean, obviously, Paris is Burning is where a lot of queer, I mean, queer terminology started there, um, and so, I mean, and it goes back further than that, too, but I would just say I think that that's a big part of it is that I think folk's for me, when I call my friends girl, it's not that I'm trying to misgender them. For me, it's this comfort level of like, we're sisters. We've been through the same shit. We're talking about the same stories. We're having the same experiences. You know, it's not a performance. It's literally like when I look at my friend, shout out to Travail Anderson. I, I just cannot... Say enough that I wouldn't be. I would not be here without Travell. Um, when I when I call Travell and we're girling and we're kicking on the phone, it's two black queer people who are struggling to make it in the media industry, trying to keep our lights on, trying to eat, uh, <laughs> trying to not jump over these tables and strangle somebody for saying something racist or problematic. She's my girl. That's my sister. You know, and it and it's it's not just a it's not a body sister it's a a sister kind of like a sister in the struggle um and i don't think that people really fully understand that and they often misuse it it's kind of the same thing about bitch right the b word um i would never walk up to stephanie and be like you bitch like i why would i do that like but for me if i saw stephanie and christine refer to each other as bitches i would say i get that like there's also a
4: difference between um like There's just a difference between the way we speak to each other. There's also a difference between C sister and S sister. T. And I think also like when I hear folks using the she pronoun to each other, I'm like... Like if you're saying it, John, I'm like, okay, like we're talking about different conversations around gender, talking about non-binary um, identities. We're talking about what these different things mean. But there's sometimes when men use, hey girl and she and stuff. And I'm like, I don't, I don't get it because why? you have all the power as men. Why are you trying to take my pronoun too? like yeah. i'm like you trying to take one more thing from me like you didn't even give me the right to vote or put me in the constitution you know come on like i just we're still fighting for the same amount of money and queer, queer queer people of color are fighting for even more money that they haven't gotten so i do think sometimes that when it's when it, when people's pronouns aren't recognized or they're overly abused We're just not getting it.
2: Yeah. And I feel like, again, time and place settings mean everything um i think that's just what it really comes down to but yes i do think drag race um no again no shade to the to the folks on the show shout out to mayhem shout out to a lot of the girls this season um and i say girls lovingly in the sense of they're drag queens or they're either performing as drag queens and girls are referred to as yeah it's complicated but anyway i say all that to say I, i i definitely think that it has opened a very complicated box and i think I think what we really need to be giving more attention to is how complicated gender identity, um, sexuality, and and ultimately performance is the binary and in the sense of our of, of this country as a whole. Like what does that mean for people? How are we understanding it? What research are we doing on it? And how are we what work are we doing to respect people around each of those items? That's just where I'm at.
4: Can you also say how you felt during the um I don't know if you saw it, but like the one representative that put out of Trans Flag to be supportive of their daughter and the community. And then the other ding dong, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she put out like this sign about two genders. And it's like, I just think there's so much more depth there. I mean, maybe you can speak to the idea of self-identifying and, um, mm-hmm. and gender as well.
2: Cool. I'm from the from the belief of I'm not going to pay attention to people who are committed to misunderstanding me. Um mm-hmm. that woman is that to me. I feel like she's committed to being um a donkey. And I never like to call people Out of their names But when you're being foolish You're being foolish Even the sign that she put up Being foolish Talking about male and female As science We're going Well actually sis If you really want to talk about it I find it funny That y'all didn't believe in science When we were talking about COVID But as soon as we start Talking about being queer You want to pull out Your science books But okay honey Go off Um, I just, just First time for everything So stupid But anyway I say all of this to say You know I think people Again it's all about power And it really comes down to people wanting to Maintain it and I feel like even for her As a woman um it's kind of like I don't want nobody being on top of me so you know she's doing everything that she can and I don't say I I love people being on top my husband on top of me is nice but I'm saying like how you doing how you doing but I'm talking about in terms of like societal right I don't want anyone over me and I think that that's ultimately what all of this has become it's more it's not necessarily about trans people it's about maintaining power and I feel like that's what she's ultimately trying to do she's trying to scare <laughs> trans people because she recognizes that she has the ability to do it um but you know i don't want to call people trash can because you told me not to stephanie however basura is basura
0: and i want to say um (laughs) we all have permission to screw it up so scott when you screw up dr john's pronouns we're just going to nudge you and say they
3: I've actually been taking notes.
0: I saw, you I saw you guess. with the pen. I'm proud <laughs> yeah, of you, honey. Very studious. You have on your glasses. You had your pen up by your face a second ago. Yeah. You look like very, you know, college That's freshman. Lot. That's
2: a lot there. Baby, That's a lot there. Frank Ocean down in San Diego. How you How you doing?
4: <laughs> There's actually a great book also, and I put it in our chat link and I'll mention it here. It is called, it's a quick and easy guide to they, them pronouns. It's by a graphic artist, Archie Bongiovanni, and it's really quick, really easy, and it's a great way to understand the concepts of the pronouns. And um, yeah, I give it to a lot of folks just to check it out. So it's, uh, it's on Amazon.
0: I'm I'm just going to say it out loud. I think it makes me sound old and I think it makes me sound white and from upstate New York. It's hard for me to do. Like if in quick conversation like on this podcast when we are just vomiting at the mouth, spewing humor, spewing opinions, it's it is tricky for me still and my god it makes me feel so old and so disrespectful and I hate that way. So um all right. I think we had our family
2: conversation.
3: What does cis mean?
2: Oh, that's a, good oh, question. That's a great question. Cis as in or cis or S-I-S-Cis? C-I-S. Cisgender. Cisgender, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it stems from cisgender, meaning your parts match your um, body. Like the way you identify as a person match with the parts that you have on your body. Gotcha. So your
4: sex organs that were identified when you were born... They were like, Scott has yes, a penis, I, I
2: un- I Scott is
4: a boy. Yes. Yes. Well, sometimes...
0: Okay. You have to say it in Scott's language. So, Scott, you feel like a man, and you have a Liberty Bell. Okay. So, <laughs> you are a cisgendered man. So,
3: I would be considered cisgender.
1: Correct.
4: Right. Yes. Right. Okay. And Christine and Jim would be considered cisgender as well. I okay. consider myself cisgender, even though at times I may present more masculine or more feminine. I do not subscribe to needing or identifying, not needing, identifying as they, them pronouns, but I do identify sometimes as more masculine or more feminine. Okay.
0: Okay. And I will say it's I think the they them is actually trickier for me when this is probably true for Dr. John, when they are non-binary cisgendered, because it's like, yes, you know what I mean? That is a little more of a brain fuck than if you were just like, oh, and also... I'm trans or I'm, you know, anything other than cisgender. Like suddenly it's like the two and the two don't equal four. in that And show. can I make it
2: very clear? Sorry, Scott. I just want to make it very clear before we move on that trans does not mean that you want to be the other gender. Trans right. is ultimately about a feeling of who you. So it's how people define themselves. Because I think when we think trans, people will say, OK, well, they're cisgender and they want to they're trans. So that means that they want to be a woman not necessarily because i know people who genuinely say i have no ever thought of ever wanting to become a woman so i just want to make that very clear that trans is defined by the person not by the textbooks or the ways that society look at the word trans okie dokie
0: christine do you want to admit anything here on the podcast any do you want to come Um, out as any
1: um no i i do have to say though um I I hate when guys you call me
2: dude. (laughs) Oh, I hate it too. Bro is the other one. I hate bro. Oh god. I hate big guy. I hate big guy. (laughs) I can't you will get let me tell you, you will get cursed the fuck out if you ever call me big guy. Oh, John, you made
0: well first of all, let me say I for about three months. Uh, about a year ago, I kept calling Christine Dude, and it made us laugh endlessly, but it's because it's me and Christine. Um, dude! And she was like, why are you calling me Dude? Anyway, John, you made a great point today. We're, now let's segue into um, sizeism. You, this week on your social said... Do not encourage me to keep going just because I am a fat man who is running. And I was like, tell that story. Because I'm going to tell you, as somebody who ran and ran and ran for years and years and years, every time somebody said to me, you got this, or keep going, or good job, what I heard in my head was, I can't believe you're running. You're so fat. Because I'm carrying years of emotional baggage in my head. So Mm -hmm. do not comment when I'm exercising. I want
2: to... Okay, so I cannot make this shit up I was running Someone pulled over And flagged me down to get my attention Because I had my airpods in in my ears And said, hey man, good job I'm so proud of you You got this, you could keep going, man Keep doing it I, I see you out here all the time And I just gave him a look And I just was like, thanks And I just kept running And it was just, it was the most, like, like it's so, I seethe at the point that someone felt the need to pull over to tell me to keep going. When I'm like, if you see me out here every day, doesn't that tell you that I'm keeping going because I run daily? I've already run my hundred- miles for this in particular year that I've already suffered myself. I just I don't know. I don't know where people I hate. And listen, I and people are awful. I agree
0: with you. I agree with you. I obviously I understand the way you felt. But I'm also going to say that person honestly thought they were
2: doing you a solid. And they could you be know. Politics. Like, I just, yeah. no, I hate it. I, I just, I hate that we feel like we have to constantly comment on people's bodies. Like even my therapist, like I didn't know how to process this week because she looked at me and she was like, you're losing weight. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, I really haven't because I just weighed myself and I'm the same weight. Um, however, I'm still running and using my Peloton and trying to watch what I eat. But it's like, what do you, like? I, and I was going to tweet that. Like, I don't know what to say to that. Like, what do you say to someone when they say you look like you're losing weight? Mm-hmm. it's like well actually bitch no i'm not like i'm not losing weight i'm still fat my some of my clothes don't fit i just spent 80 dollars on some shorts from peloton that i can't fit are you happy now do you feel better like i just i just always say
1: like um when they people say that i'm like no you just remember me as fatter
3: <laughs> yes,
2: christine! for the win yeah. christine for the <laughs> oh, actually you just remember me fatter <laughs>
0: It is true, though. Okay. Sometimes it's happening a lot on Zoom, and I think it has a lot to do with how my camera's positioned. Because you know I positioned it that way, and um, I always say, "No, smoke and mirrors." I trust me; I've not lost weight in three months. People lately are like, "Oh, you look so good." I'm like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Like, here's an idea: don't comment on my appearance. Just don't. We all of us, all five of us, need to be honest about like
4: what. It feels like when someone comments on our appearance or
2: anything else related to us. It's a lot of fucking pressure. And I hate to like, I don't want to be Debbie Downer or sound like I'm complaining this whole episode. But I'm genuinely like, it's just the pressure. Like even today, I didn't work out today because I genuinely just didn't have it in me to get on the bike or to even put on clothes to go outside to run. And, you know, there's still this element of like. You had a ding dong and you had Chinese for dinner. And so, like, it just, there's always this pressure to feel like you constantly have to be smaller. And I just mm. wish it would go away. Like, and I've told people I've been slimmer and I was still miserable. So, 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 like, I don't know how being skinny makes, somehow makes your life much better. Cause I'm like, I've been skinny before and I was, mi- I was miserable. Um, and so, and, I, and I'm fat and miserable. So, like, where's the, the where's the in between like I don't know I just I am not saying I'm miserable now I actually love how I look and how I feel now but again the pressure is still there every time you decide not to quote-unquote work out or do something you feel like you're you know one day is going to make you 300 pounds and that I, I don't think that's how it works but <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: exactly
0: yeah. and, and I'll tell you please, one right. thing you had me at ding dong tell you that much <laughs> Mm -hmm. um okay so there's the family conversation uh scott took careful notes that was really sweet scott and really cute that you took those notes
3: would an orange be considered cisgender oh my god just asking for a friend let's go to commercial please
0: that's
4: more like a flashlight scott yeah
0: you know, you I guess you could gender an orange if you it, whatever it takes, Scott. That's between you oh, and Oh, I you. did. I did gender an orange. Uh all right, listen, we actually have two more segments to get into. So, let's jump right into Christine's paranormal report. <laughs> all right, Christine, there has been some hot UFO on UFO action locally, right? What's going on? Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, uh, I think it was a weekend or two ago, there was a American Airlines flight that was flying near Clayton, New Mexico. Um, from They were flying from Cincinnati to Phoenix, I believe. And the pilot reported a um, uh, an unidentified flying object. And the... I believe if, if my understanding is correct that the only reason that the public found out about it is because some guy randomly found a transmission of it um, on some, I don't even know, I'm assuming a CB radio, or I don't know how that works. But I found the recording, it's super short, it's only one sentence. Um, but I'm gonna play it, see if this works. Hold on. Okay, ready? Here we go. Avity.
2: Target's up here. We just had something go right over the top of us that I hate to say it, this looked like a long cylindrical object. It almost looked like a cruise missile type of thing moving really fast that went right over the top of us.
1: Did that come through? Yeah.
3: Okay. Wow. Sure did.
1: That gave me
0: chill bumps when he said cruise missile. It made me so nervous. As someone who lives on airplanes in my normal life, my non pandemia life. Um no. God, that's amazing. And let me let me add on to that. Um, I have some friends that work for airlines. And do you know, airlines about twice a week, see UFOs. And they get reported. And it gets reported to the FAA. And it goes in a log. We don't talk about all the shit they see up in the air. It's really (laughs) crazy.
1: And they they apparently responded to this particular incident after this all became out, and they said that um, they have no uh, record of any sort of craft or anything in the area that that could have been. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, I always take it. Always seems more believable to me when pilots see stuff like this because if they are alarmed by it, <laughs> or if it seems yeah. to them, then it's like.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong, a week before that, or maybe two weeks, here in Los Angeles, in um, Burbank, or... I think it was or, Thousand Oaks. Was it? it? They, they looked, a thousand people reported a UFO yeah. in the air. And these things don't get talked about until people start talking about them. Do you know what I mean? Like, the government is sitting on a lot, a lot of sightings that we don't even know about. It's so interesting.
1: Yeah. And it was actually somebody was telling me recently, which I find pretty fascinating, that there is a theory that the aliens are already here, but we are not at a vibrational frequency yet to see them. But you can, through doing like spiritual or energetic work, actually get to a frequency that you can see them, which I think is a fascinating idea.
3: Hmm. That's that. Is that was that? That documentary, The Close Encounters, is of the fifth kind. I think I haven't it was watched
1: that yet, but I believe <clears throat> that is that is where it is. Yeah, coming from.
3: it's I definitely worth that. watching. Yeah. It was. It's really intense. That guy. There's something about that guy, the doctor who does those documentaries. It's really yeah. interesting.
0: I love it. I love all this stuff so much. Me too. Um, has anybody had, or does anybody know somebody who has had a first hand encounter? with a ufo or saw something in the sky
1: yes well i have a friend who oh no i guess you didn't meet him but when we went out to um hawaii the my friend that i stayed with uh Mm -hmm. he is a an experiencer and he actually has a i believe a podcast and a couple of books out about um his experience
0: well, I don't listen to any other podcasts except for the Jim Lanahan and Friends podcast.
1: No, I which I which I realized so that's why I didn't think um, I'm there.
3: Yeah. You know I would uh, love to see any a UFO though. I mean, I can't tell you how often I at night I'll just stare up into the sky hoping to see something. You know? Mm-hmm. Just hoping. Even when I was a kid you. I was obsessed with uh, the 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 uh, with space and I had a telescope and I was out there Every night just staring into the sky, like hoping to see something.
0: No. Oh. Um, my father, who doesn't believe in anything, he doesn't even believe in black people. Like he doesn't believe. He's the most racist, horrible person ever, right? Rush Limbaugh loving. I probably should send him a condolence card after the death of Rush Limbaugh this week. Uh what I'm but you you we all know the type of person my father is, right? He saw something and he can't explain it and he stopped talking about it. So when I was little, I used to hear him talk about it with his friends. And then when I became a teenager, I was like, tell me again about that story. And he goes, Nah, I'm not even sure that really happened. It's not a thing. And I was like, wow, covering that up real quick. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, when someone like my father sees something like that, it's pretty, pretty intense.
2: Actually, I do have a friend who my friend my friend Naomi, um she probably wouldn't she she wouldn't care if I shared this, but she said that once she was um, she was moving back to California and her, she had sent all of her stuff to go in front of her, and she was driving back with her friend in the truck. The night that they were coming back from wherever she was, they decided they were going to camp out in the truck bed and she said that when she woke up like in the middle of the night she could feel something like hovering in the field near where they stopped to sleep and she said when she looked up she saw something and it literally like it paused made contact with her and then it flew off into the to the air and she says that she says to this day that she doesn't remember all of what was happening she could just feel that something was above the field that where she was in the middle of like nowhere so yeah
0: Well, and how about the fact that when you talk to these people that had experiences, they all describe the same exact alien. Energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, energy. And then they describe the physical being, and they draw the picture, and it's always the same. So there's something happening there, for sure, there. And the other thing I keep wondering is, like, how long is it going to be before our like Mars rover just disappears because, you know, they're more advanced than us. They're going to they're knocking our satellites out of orbit. They are going to take that rover out of Mars. Um, there is a there's another train of thought that that along the lines of what Christine said, that they are they are here and they are literally waiting for us just to become advanced enough to talk with them. And right now they think we're a shit show.
2: It's like and, that movie. Do you remember that movie that recently came out like two or three years ago? There was a movie where a woman was working, I think, for like NASA or for some sort of... And she was... They were sending her into like this cave and the alien things were like drawing or whatever. I forget the name of that movie, but she had to be the person... Yeah, like, that
3: was, was Amy Adams, right? That was, I uh, think
2: so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and they looked like octopuses.
3: Yeah. Uh-huh. That yeah. was a good movie. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Well, I love this. Do you this- think that... um I'm a big, I'm, do you think like the ancient, the whole ancient alien idea is something that uh, could have actually happened? You know, like the pyramids that are all across the world or that the, our DNA the, it has been spliced with um, alien DNA to create human beings in the first place and all that stuff like that show on. I mean, some of it is like, uh, come on, you know, but some of it is like, it's very interesting. I saw one where you can draw a line around the, around the earth. And there's one latitude line around the earth where all the pyramids in each continent line up with each other. And they say, it's just insane that that could actually have been, not been planned, you know. So I wonder if we if they used to, they they used to live here or they used to come here and then they were like oh boy we got to get out of here and then they came Well back, you know?
0: there is a theory in psychology called Jungian theory the collective unconscious. So that theory says that we all share something extra celestial outside of our body it's unconscious to us but we share it It is a collective unconscious, and we draw from this pool of experiences, which have been carried from generation to generation to generation. So, you know, a lot of the times, Christine and I will talk about our parents have been very fear-based over the years because they're baby boomers. They grew up poor, and we're like, we're going to do everything in our power not to be fear-based. It could be argued by someone who believes in the Jungian theory that, that's actually something that's not learned by baby boomers. It's been passed down from decades and decades of people just having to fight for basic food, right. water, shelter. And so that's that collective unconscious. Some people say it's also in our genes, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a ge- genetic expression, not c- collective unconscious. At any rate, epigenetics. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. So. Could it also be ancient aliens? I mean, who knows, right? Like, what is it? It, it? Were we genes placed? Is it collective unconscious? Is it who the hell knows?
2: ET should have told us where home was. <laughs> ET didn't tell us nothing. He
3: didn't want to go, where's
2: home? <laughs>
3: <laughs> there's just so much that we, we think we know that we mm-hmm.
0: don't. And there's so we much know. that is right in front of us that we haven't even observed yet. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yep. I believe. I love all that stuff. I truly believe. I believe in everything until someone proves it not true. Like, exactly. I, I'm not one of those people who's like, there can't be aliens. What do you mean there can't be aliens? The 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 possibility that there is life outside of Earth is actually so great, you know? I'm yeah.
2: praying that that rover don't run into something it don't want to see, because <laughs> it's over. I just Every time I see pictures, I'm like, Lord, please don't let that be an alien on Mars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ready. Well,
0: Ugh. and I'm a huge astronomy geek. I love it. So my Facebook news, I don't know if you're all using the news part of Facebook, it's really good. Now you can kind of like, this is going to sound crazy in 2021. You can select your news.
3: <laughs> <But>
0: I, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not selecting like Breitbart and Fox. I'm actually selecting like astrology, right mm-hmm. and entertainment and just stuff to turn my mind off. But uh, they have discovered in the past month or so at least 3 planets in nearby universes that they think have the same proximity and trajectory as earth in regards to our moon these planets have it with regard to their star additionally with the way the light shines from these planets the way it hits our telescopes they can tell by the way the light's reflected what Particles, It's going through. And so they actually think these planets have atmospheres like ours. And like, so there could be other Earths out there. And these places are 17, you know, billion, billion light light years, years away. But exactly. yeah, but it's it's the, the chance of there being life elsewhere is so great. And we are probably they are probably here. And they're probably much more advanced than we are, and they're probably laughing at us, you know? Yeah. Trump's an alien. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I was going to say they live on Catalina Island, because for those no! of us that live in SoCal... No, John, for those of us that live in Southern California, Catalina Island has the greatest amount of UFO activity on the West Coast. True story. And by the way, do you know that UFO activity goes up near naval bases? So... Mm-hmm. Uh, Guantan- Guantanamo, and by the way, Guantanamo is similar similar to the name of that movie that Dr. John told us about in the that last one, episode. No, 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 no.
3: <laughs> so, Guantanamo, uh,
0: the base in San Diego. There's yeah. always UFO activity near where there is.
3: See, that's why it makes you wonder before. if it's if it's military. Then you then yeah, then you think like, is it? Is it like alien Uh craft or is it top secret? Military craft that they're mm-hmm. keeping from us, you know, because really it could be one cool the
0: Special that was on A and E, and I always tell Christine about it, and I can never remember the name of it. At least twice a month, I say, Christine, did you ever see that special with the Blink 182 guy? So there's a guy who was in the band Blink 182. He's using his money to fund research on UFOs. It's a six part special. It was on A and E. I think it's called like the uncovered Pentagon files, colon the, discovery of UFO. Stephanie's looking it up. So the moral of the story is, in that special, the first two episodes are about a UFO that that now it's unclassified. The Air Force tapes of the Air Force pilots are like, we have no idea what this is. It's not one of ours. It looks like a giant tic-tac floating through space. A 40-foot long white tic-tac. Which, by the way, I thought of that when you said Ballistic missile, Christine, because mm-hmm. they always seem, they're not like classic UFOs like we think of it. They look like tic tacs now and they spin on an axis and they go through space. They can go any direction up, down, left, right. They don't have classic propulsion the way we think of it. So, anyway, it's really interesting stuff. And so, could it be military? Yes. But why doesn't the military know about it if it's the military? I don't know.
1: Well, they probably, if they would, but they just wouldn't be, they wouldn't tell us, oh, hey, yeah, we have all this technology that we're not telling.
0: These, are the, U, these are the Air Force pilots I'm saying. Yeah, but I'm
3: sure even the in the military, there are certain pilots who know shit and then certain Maybe. pilots who don't know shit. You know Maybe. what I mean?
4: Like, are you talking about Tom DeLong's show Unidentified Inside America's
0: UFO Investigation. And that's the show, everybody. Go find it. It's so good.
4: It's on. It should be on the History Channel or History on Demand would be my guess, but I found it through history.
3: I'm going to leave my notes on this desk so when Marcia comes in, she sees... Gender equals parts. Identity non-binary. <laughs> Uncovered Pentagon UFO story. Uh-huh. Trans. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the <laughs> classic <Yeah>. Lanahan.
0: <laughs> By the way, that a gender discussion into UFOs—that's a classic
1: Lanahan. <laughs> I think the bigger question, though, too, is: um, Do you think there are any fat aliens?
0: No, because I think they've probably figured it out, right? Like we're still taking Dexatrim, and they're like, "You fucking dicks!" Like we figured out weight loss years ago. Oh God! Yeah,
1: they tell me what the secret is.
0: Like, have you ever seen a fat Scientologist? <laughs> the answer is no. You know what?
3: Except for <laughs> Kirstie Alley, I was like, "Starved." I was gonna no. say. <laughs> I didn't want to be mean <laughs> after our conversation Christine
0: Alley, you guys I win
3: <laughs>
0: anyway okay uh, thanks Christine I love that topic awesome. I love it I love it awesome. anytime you want to talk about did UFOs you, I'm into it Stephanie did you put a, that
3: thing uh, in the uh,
0: I'm sorry did you put which, that in uh, the uh, Stop! you're ruining the podcast uh, No, you're ruining the podcast
3: <laughs> I just want the name of that the title of that movie because I'm going to watch it some, if we ever finish this podcast, tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, somebody, I mean, literally, we—you all have been. Ta- this episode's going on now for an hour and fifteen minutes, and we have one. <laughs> we still have a segment to go. I'm just saying. All right, That's we'll be we right. We love back. each other,
3: and we can talk all night long if we want.
0: You're gonna get the music. We'll be right back after this commercial. Hey, everybody, it's Jim from the Jim Lanahan and Friends podcast. I hope you love the podcast as much as we love putting it together for you. But I have a favor to ask. If you've not already done so, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you find podcasts. And then, once you've subscribed, please rate our podcast five stars and leave us a quick review. Here's why I'm asking subscribing rating and commenting helps us immensely when you do that for us it helps new listeners find us more easily when they're looking for podcasts on their devices and that in turn helps us grow our happy tribe of jim lanahan and friends podcast listeners thank you in advance for subscribing thank you for listening to us every week and of course thank you for being a friend i Back from the commercial, I, I, I like dynamite. Now listen, we've been doing a lot of Lizzo and a lot of dynamite, and we might be in for a music change in the next few weeks. So if anybody has a favorite song and they want to suggest it, I am taking suggestions from everybody except for Scotty as the worst-tasted music ever. Okay, um, now let's do Ask a White Person with Dr. John Paul.
3: Yo, I'm a white boy beyond Making Danny and Tanner proud I'm a white boy, Bianch, I'm moderately in doubt I put the cock in Caucasian When I'm shaking my bacon All the shorties they come around I'm a white boy, How Howdy, y'all, I
2: Yo, all right, Doctor John. So I wanted to know. Um, I can recall very, 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 very vividly the first time that I remember that I was. Um, first time I recall being reminded slash um, kind of told that I was black. I wanted to know when was the first time you realized that y'all was white. Go for it.
1: I'm white.
0: Thank you Dr. Jean-Paul. That takes care of ask a white person. I don't think it's a,
3: it, it was when I I don't think I realized it was as much as realized I was white as I realized that there was a system. I remember being or there, there used to be a system or whatever. I remember vividly as a very young boy, I think I was about probably six or seven years old. And I was with my grandfather and we were lost in his truck. And he, he told me to get out of the truck and go ask the, that colored boy directions back to the highway. And I didn't know what he meant. Um, and I remember saying, "What? Who? What? What do you mean?" And and he said, "Go ask that colored boy." Now he was saying "colored boy." The, it was a grown man, you know. So I think that I, I don't know if it, it was that I I realized I was white at that point, but I did. I was taught that there was a system that my grandfather had grown up in, and that that was be was attempting to being passed on. So, if there was any uh, immediate identity that was thrown upon me, it, that's that's the first time it happened for sure when I was six years old and I had to ask him who, who, who do you want me to talk to? Cause it was, he was using the word colored and he was using the word boy and I didn't see, I didn't, I didn't know what he was talking about. So to have that explained to me at six years old, that's, that's, I guess when I realized.
1: Um, I have a story from when I was four. I mean, it's, it's kind of a humorous story, but, uh, not really. Um, apparently, my parents were watching... Well, I, grew, I was raised in Brooklyn until I was four. And so there was... It was in a mostly Italian and Jewish neighborhood, but there was a lot of racial tension in Brooklyn in general. Um, but there was also people of all color. So it's not like I had never been exposed to people other than myself. But my parents had watched the um, film Roots, that came out in the 70s that was extremely popular. And apparently one day while we were waiting outside of the bank, um, a black gentleman walked into the bank and I said, come to Kinte and pointed to him. And my mom wanted to die and crawl into herself. Luckily the gentleman, you know, found it humorous but it's like
0: well ironically it was actually lavar burton walking into the bank no
1: what are the chances? um what
0: christine was it? correct yeah,
1: yeah. but it just goes to show like even back then that seeing a television show that was entirely about a black group of people it was you know something unusual that it was not I something know what
0: you just made me think about Christine my family my father's family they're so racist but they were they would be racist against italians you guys are itals right so you All coming the- up from brooklyn and my irish catholic Lanahan family they're racist against you they're racist against i i mean these are the words i grew up with itals itals and spicks um They would call other white people honkies, which is funny. Like, I was like, no, we're as honky as they come. So anyway, to answer your question, John, I never thought about myself. I was too, my mother, God bless her, is an angel. So I'm just taking Mary Jo Lanahan off the table when I say this. I was too busy being taught to hate everyone else. Because I I, forget who I was. It was almost like um, spotting differences, but not even learning about me which is a really sad way to grow up isn't I it I think
3: that's what I was, I was trying to explain as well Jimmy yeah. I think we're on the same page there where there was you were taught you were being taught a system yeah as far as who to hate or who who's less than you
1: well i feel like you too know? in new york i mean if you look through the history it was sort of like whoever the newest group was was who everybody hated it's like the irish the italians the germans the jews it's like
3: I remember the first time I was attracted to a black woman.
1: Now imagine my
0: confusion when I wanted to secretly bang LeVar Burton, right? Like he was the cutest and like, I'm sure you had it with, with black women.
2: Yeah. But Scott, we're not having the conversation about when you were attracted to a black non-binary person. No that's right <laughs> oh, dear god I'm gonna you hell until we go off the air oh, one, okay. day. Uh, one day at
0: the when the when pan, when pandemia pandalber is is over that panis yeah collect panis is over we're going to have a Jim hannah friends cast party and scott's going to get drunk and make out with dr john and it's going to be the best day of my life. I don't, I don't
4: think he think, even needs to get drunk. I, I don't think, think, think Doctor John's to. husband
3: is gonna would appreciate that. I think good.
4: you might be on he the can list. Watch.
3: How are you doing?
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, to I think I think I think, think
0: Jonathan and Jonathan are okay. I think they have an understanding. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> I think d- you're on the short yeah. list. You
2: know, I'd probably yeah. get killed.
0: Probably, Scott, you're <laughs> Doctor Dr. okay. John's dream girl. You know why? What not only. What not only. All you have to give. Effie, we all got pain. Let me ask quickly before we move on, John. Uh, when you asked that question, were you surprised by any of our answers and why'd you ask it?
2: So I'm intentionally now going around and asking white people to tell me their stories. I want to know, like, and, and, and framing them from a place of like, not necessarily trying to put white people on the spot and I'm not saying that I have to do that with y'all because I feel like a lot of you get it. Kind of put people in that position where it's like in Black History Month, you want to ask white people <laughs> right. when was the first time they thought about being I white
3: think that's so, great i think that was yeah. a very good yeah a very good question yeah i like that's it all. i liked it a lot
0: I love this story, you guys, about 68-year-old Emily Johnson from Austin, Texas, so much. So here's the story. Emily needed open heart surgery, but her doctor said, oh no, Emily, you cannot get this surgery and come into this hospital until you have had your COVID vaccinations. So Emily spent hours every day for about a week making phone calls, research, searching online, going on all the websites, she could not find her way onto a list to get the vaccination. And remember we talked about this last week how there is a healthcare desert out there and old people are having trouble accessing appointments because you have to do it online and a lot of the older people just don't get it they need help getting these appointments so emily was having trouble out of desperation she went on facebook and she went on to her neighborhood page and she said does anybody have any insight regarding getting an appointment for a covid19 vaccine and that is when good samaritan christy lewis saw the post and she replied to emily Dear Miss Johnson, you don't know me, but I have an appointment for a vaccination. However, you need the appointment much more than I do. If you can make this appointment time, it's yours. Christy! That's amazing! So, the story gets better. Christy then drove to Emily's house, picked her up, And they went to the vaccine appointment together. And Christy explained to the front desk why Emily showed up to take the appointment. And the people at the front desk were so impressed by Christy's generosity that they went ahead and they vaccinated not only Emily. But Christy, too. I love that story. As I always say, use your superpowers for good. You guys, you can literally change the world around you when you set your mind to it. Can I get an oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Christine, where can people get an oh, yeah, from you?
1: Um, they can find me. Oh, yeah. On Twitter and Facebook. My Instagram account is oh yeah and website is (laughs) www.ohyeah.com
2: Dr. John Paul You can find me on social media by using the handle at Dr. John Paul You can also find me under a weighted blanket and uh yeah with four gummies stuffed in my mouth
3: (laughs) Scott Shelvin By the way do you know I ate all my gummies My gummies are gone (laughs) Oh. <laughs> what? They're gone. All of them. You can find me at Scotty Sheldon on Twitter and Facebook. On Instagram, at Scott A. Sheldon is the main page. For my acting stuff, you can go to at Scotty Sheldon, the actor. And if you're looking to buy or sell any real estate in Los Angeles County, call me at, at Scotty Sheldon, the realtor. Peace out.
4: On Twitter and Instagram, I'm Chicky Laugh, C-H-I-C-K-Y-L-A-F-F. And if you have a suggestion for a yummy yummy, please DM me on Instagram. And for photos of my puppy, Billy, he is on Instagram at Billy the Rescue Pup.
0: And my name is Jim Lanahan. You can find me on Instagram at Jim Lanahan. You can find me live on Instagram every Tuesday at 530 Pacific 830 Eastern with Heather Carlucci medium psychic and medical intuitive. We chit chat, we have laughs, and then she gives free readings. So don't miss it. You can also learn about me on jimlanahan.com. There's a lot of information on there, including information about life coaching Uh, podcast group on Facebook and Instagram is Jim Lanahan and friends podcast. Just look it up. And then give it a love. Give it a little likey like and a little clicky click on the heart. Let us know that you're there because we love interacting with you. If you write on the Instagram, we will write you back every time. We're really nice people. And if you tag us in a story on Instagram, we will repost you every time. We're super nice like that, you guys. So um, give us some
3: love. We want to love you back. All right. Um, oh, this- One thing quick, Jim. Dun, About dun, you and dun, Heather?
0: Dun, 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 no, this
3: is actually really good. Dun, 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 Heather, yes, Heather. Heather gave me a reading. She said that uh, my surgery was, you know, she said yes. my surgery was going to happen before April, mm-hmm. and earlier than I than expected. And I, my surgery is happening March 10th. So tell Heather, way to go!
0: Yeah, Heather's good. Heather's really good. And particularly on medical, like, uh, you know, Christine and I had this conversation recently. She was like, I need help with blah, 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 blah Right. Or I have a friend who wants, and I'm like, Oh, for medical stuff. Heather's pretty good. Uh, if if you want to talk to a dead person, Heather's pretty good. My friend Elena's pretty good. You want to talk to... You want a general reading on your life? Go talk to Mr. Malone that Christine talked to last week. Like, I, I think there's a... They all have their own special niche, you know? But um, she also read you about your wedding, which I think is going to be a tricky... Yeah, thing. that
3: was interesting. We'll see. We'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, guys, this was a great, great show. Uh, Thanks again for being so open and generous, Dr. John Paul, with those conversations and letting us fuck up and and loving us through learning. And um, it's just really important conversations we we This is going to be a long ass show. This is going to be a long podcast, but I think it's going to be one that really helps people uh, because they can listen to us in their car when they're alone and say to themselves, yeah, I've been screwing that up, (laughs) but they can listen to us without judgment because I want to be the first one to say, you're going to fuck it up. You're going to fuck up those pronouns 10 or 12 times before you get it right. And that's okay. Don't don't judge yourself. Just do better next time. As long as you keep doing better, that's what counts. All right. Uh, back with you on Monday, of course. And until then, please take care of yourself because you know why. You got to take good care of others. That's our most important job. <laughs>
2: You should get Britney Spears. I'm sure she'd do it. Britney, Uh, I mean, uh, Stephanie, get, get Britney Spears on the show.